Well, Zooch, it's episode one. We finally, we finally got this thing together. We do. We have our outlet to talk about a bunch our of things outlet. that only people like us care about. Oh, yeah, I have so much to get on my chest. Well, anyone listening, this is episode one of the Zooch and Wild podcast, college football podcast. Um, a little extension of the Settle Down podcast. So um, uh, my name is Diego Wild. Um, love college football. And uh, we've been talking to Sean and Zooch for a while. And this is, like Zooch said, an outlet for us. I don't know Zooch can get more specifics for him, but especially for me, this is going to be an outlet for me that I needed because I have had too much energy wound up and I, I need someone, I need somewhere to release all this energy or I'm going to end up running through a wall, Zooch. Oh, exactly. No, I know exactly how you feel. It's one of those things that um, with college football specifically, since I was a kid, I've always like thought about it all year long, loved to talk with anyone about any team, that type of thing. So I'm excited to have a platform just to do that and hopefully people listen. Yeah, well, that's what we're hoping for too. Um, I mean, week zero, there's not much. There's a, a few games we'll get into. Later on, um, we'll have some segments at the um, uh, very end uh, that hopefully become recurring segments that you guys like. But um, uh, but before we get into that, um, we're going to talk about the Swamp Kings documentary and how uh, Kim Jong Urban Meyer pretty much just released a propaganda piece uh, for the Florida Gators. Um, Zooch being from Florida being around Gainesville at that time, I'm sure you have a lot of opinions on this one. I do, and it's mostly, like you said, a propaganda piece. <laughs> and not as much Urban Meyer, but with Tim Tebow, people acted like he was a reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Like, anything he did was perfect. He could say anything he wanted to. He always, 30 more like, minutes for the rest out. of your life, man. 30 more minutes well, for the rest of your life. That, like, you saw the documentary, which is why he started to get on. At first, I liked him. I'm like, oh, he's cool. Like, he seems like a nice guy, like, a little bit different, like, has a lot of hype, but seems like he is up to the task. But just all throughout his career, was like, and I see it even more now than I did when I was, like, a preteen, I'm guessing, about the age I was when he started 2006. So, yeah, I was, like, 12. It was always all about him. Like, he couldn't even, he had to do the, and by the way, I'm coming back. He had to do that. <laughs> yeah, I, he, just, I didn't that, see that. That's fine to me. That's fine to me. But then he would portray himself as this, like, humble, like, yeah. everyday quarterback. And he, it was like, he had to give the speech after losing Old Miss, the speech, I'm, the I'm coming back speech, the locker room Oklahoma speech to like pumping up the fans when he got off the bus it was just always like pointing he said in the thing the pointing to his heart like come on dude like yes you were you were really good but your team was also littered with talent and you cried and your coach quit after Nick Saban <laughs> your ass. yeah um no I actually wrote down a couple things my uh, a couple takeaways from the documentary for me uh, number one is that Chris Leak looks like the biggest loser in the world. Oh, I, actually, I they, like they Chris made Leak. him. They made him look so bad. And they, they, they're like Urban's offense. You need a quarterback to run the ball, and like they made Chris Leak like uh, walking boot Ben Roethlisberger, like he couldn't move at all. <laughs> he was just. Chris, I, if I, I was Chris Leak, that bad. If I was Chris Leak, I would be a little salty of how I was portrayed. The um, uh, second thing is it uh, confirmed all suspicions that Urban Meyer is a scumbag. Um, but, it's, but it's a scumbag in a way where it's almost comical. Like it's a comedy movie. Like <laughs> you just were watching like, <laughs> like the Champions Club. <laughs> like you had your starters eating steak. And then if you were like an incoming freshman, you just like fed them hot dogs. And it's just like, I don't care about you. Like, that is so comical, and it's confirmed everything I need to agree upon about Urban Meyer as a person. Uh, great college football coach, but I think, I don't know where the tweet was. Or it might have just been some random reply. Someone was like, this is why Urban Meyer didn't work at the pro level. Because 
you can't have a champions club in the NFL. Like yeah. all those guys are champions. Like if you try to tell like a rookie who's like a third rounder, like, Oh, like you, you're not worth nothing. That rookie is making millions of dollars. Just got drafted. was probably the best, one of the best players at his position in the league. Like you can't pull that BS with NFL players. I think that's why he failed miserably in the NFL. No. And like there is big money specifically in the SEC. But when you get to the NFL, there's bigger, like, you're at that point dealing with billions of dollars, not just, you know, millions. And from the moment he got to the Jags, he was, he hired that one guy from Iowa that had just gotten fired for, like, 50 people coming out and saying that he was a racist. He did that. (laughs) He had the thing, he doesn't get back on the team playing for, after they lose to the Bengals and is at the bar with that young college girl. And then it comes out that he kicked out. It was just always something with him. But that's the thing is it was like that basically wherever he was in college too. And he's always been that way. Like he quit. He, so he says he's stepping down after they lose to Alabama after he has the heart issues, decides to come back the next season, they go eight and five or whatever. He steps down again and says he wants to spend more time with his family. And like nine months later, he accepts the job at Ohio state. Yeah, he, no, he it, is a he is more of a master of putting himself in good positions than he I think he is as a football coach because he I always mean, knows like I mean he just commandeered what was supposed to be the best college football documentary since probably the U and the U part two like this was supposed to be the Florida version of the U and the U part two and. The only thing I learned was that Tiller like punched freshman in the face in the or Siller punched freshman in the face in the weight room. <laughs> like right. well, I didn't a- like I didn't learn I didn't learn anything. Um, another thing I wrote down uh, the second thing I wrote down after watching it is uh boy do I love Dan Mullen man he is a funny guy he is a- <laughs> Dan Mullen if there's one big winner from this whole documentary is uh dan mullen whether he's sane or not if you're the smartest person in a room full of toddlers you don't have to be that smart i think that's dan mullen in this whole thing like dan mullen comes across normal in a in a, in a show full of the circus freaks of gainesville <laughs> well you got that whole that coaching staff is just funny to think about because you had urban meyer Dan Mullen, Steve Adazio, yeah. doing that when he gives his like pump up speech, like no one even, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember it getting that loud during that part. And I'm pretty sure Charlie Strong was Charlie there. Charlie Strong, that's what I was going to say. Charlie he Strong, because he, he has the uh, one cl- um, clip of that where it's uh, he's sitting on the sideline with um, uh, Brandon Spikes. Um, and it's just like Brandon Spikes Pout. And it's just like, I'm like, is that Charlie Strong? And man, if you could have shown. Florida Charlie Strong, what he would become. I think he might have stopped coaching after those Tebow years. Um, <laughs> I think so too. All right, and then yeah, I I'm, I'm gonna bring up this tweet real quick. Um, and it's all the stuff that was left out. This is this is a tweet by at Jim M Weber. So shout out at Jim M Weber for tweeting this. And these are the things that were left out of the documentary, Zuch. Any mention of Aaron Hernandez besides Tebow taking blame for their fight in 07 at a bar? I mean, okay, like one of the the most polarizing player on that team you're not going to mention. You have no mention of the Pouncey Twins at all. I mean, they showed him in clips. No mention of the Pouncey Twins. Percy Harvin attacking a wide receiver coach. I think they could have included that. That... I think what that 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 that's funny. Like I didn't know that until I read this tweet. That's funny. Uh, Cam Newton's stolen laptop. I mean, I mean that that people know about that, but you, that's a part of the integral story of like why Urban wasn't set up the best post Tebow because he was supposed to have Cam Newton post Tebow, but he had, to and he had John Brantley instead. <laughs> yeah, John Brantley. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Wow, sorry. I, I need to take a breath after remembering John Brantley. Oh my god! And then Carlos Dunlap arrested before the 2009 SEC championship game. Uh, you already touched on the Urban Meyer and his heart problems and his wishy-washy back and forth. Um, Riley Cooper, 
not not a single mention of Riley Cooper, nope. who after Percy Harvin left that 2009 year, he was the main guy. He was the main guy in yeah. the passing attack for that team. Just no mention of that. And then the part that you actually texted me, that is in this tweet, is Chris Rainey threatening to kill his girlfriend. Which, I, I, I get it, but they also had Chris Rainey in the documentary. So I'm wondering if, because there was a lot of key people who didn't speak. I think if Chris Rainey was like, I'm only going to be in this if you don't talk about like what I did. And I think that was my final thoughts were, like, if, if I could sum up my opinion of this documentary, it's it was the story of the people who were in it and not the people who weren't. Um, everyone in it wanted to only show the good stuff and the people that they left out, like the Percy Harvins, the Cam Newtons, the people who actually could have told the real story, they left out. So that part of the story right. did, didn't get told. And Urban Meyer gets to twist his nipples and pleasure himself to four straight episodes of let's go urban mind right and blame it all and and this is what my final thought is on it you have like miami and the the you documentaries came out and they kind of embrace like yeah we were in trouble all the time we were getting arrested every other day like they kind of made that their personality and then you have urban meyer who said i only let these things happen because i kicked one guy off the team and he ended up dying that's yeah. basically what Urban Meyer said. Oh, that stuff only happened because I felt bad that I kicked this guy off the team and he died. Just embrace it. Like every college football team has guys who get in trouble. Like every season, you if you are a fan of a team, you will see like the beat reporter or whoever tweet, oh, so-and-so got arrested. And nine times out of 10, I feel like it's a DUI or the underage drinking, something like that. But Florida literally had Aaron Hernandez shooting at people and it was just glossed over in the doc. Like they didn't even mention it in the documentary. And that, that was the night that uh, Tim Tebow took him home. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess we can only hope uh, for HBO to do a documentary or something. Cause I would, I, I really would like to see uh, what actually, what actually did some of the stuff that went down. Um, but um, enough of uh, just listening to Urban Meyer spew poop from his mouth. Um, let's uh, jump in to week zero. We got football back. Um, I'm excited. It is week zero. Did you see the tweets, the tweet that was going around? And it was like some pro football elitist, I think. And he was like, man, just saw this, this slate of week zero games. If you watch this, you're sick. And it was like 1,000 quote tweets of just Hugh Freeze in a hospital bed in the press box. <laughs> I did see and that, like, and I will do that. I'm just counting down the days i'm like all right i have work tomorrow get off we have some plans tomorrow night and then saturday i cannot wait to watch the notre dame game i cannot wait to watch louisiana tech and fiu all of it i can't wait just to see the sds playing ohio Ohio. for the mountain west fellas out there um yeah but uh we each picked uh one main storyline going into this week and i think it's obvious for me what the main storyline is it's Caleb Williams is playing San Jose State. Um, the first game, it's going to be one of the first games that Saturday. Oh, or, or is it an evening game? It's it an, an evening, evening game. game. It's on it because, because you're, you're going to get into that later. And Caleb Williams, this is the first Heisman Trophy winner that's coming back to play since, correct me if I'm wrong, Lamar Jackson? I think... Every Heisman winner since so, then. Yeah, yeah it's the, so it's the first time in a while that we're going to have this level of hype and Caleb Williams, he's such a polarizing player. I mean, he I did, there was a quote today where he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be in the new NCAA game. I mean, I don't, I, I haven't formed an opinion on him as a person. I have already formed an opinion on him as a player because he's the best player in the country by far. Um, and San Jose State, I mean, it's a. I feel so bad because they could be a good program, but I I think they're going to be so out of their league in this game. It. I I think if if I have a prediction for Caleb Williams is he is going to make one of those plays that gets a billion views of all over social media, where he spins out of the pocket and does all of that. Um, honestly, if you're San Jose State, you just have to keep it respectable. I mean. 
I, I, I don't want to say anything bad about San Jose State because they did have a respectable season. They got to the Potato Bowl last year, which for them is good. But I think they're just going to get outclassed. And I think Caleb Williams is going to show why he's the best player in the country uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's a big story because USC is one of those teams that I don't like USC. In fact, when I grew up, I hated USC. But USC is one of those programs that when they're good, even if I hate it, it makes college football better. Like there's a few teams like that, that when they're good and like USC returning USC, who should be good, returning the best player in college football makes for good storylines going into the season. So I'm definitely excited to see. I think that's the type of game that either USC is up like 28 to zero in the first quarter, or for some reason it's, 28 to 24 at halftime, and then USC so ends up winning like 63 to 31. Here's my prediction. I think it's going to be a little bit less than that. I think it'll be like 14, 28 at halftime. And who's the de- defensive coordinator for USC? It, it's it's that guy that Lincoln uh-huh. Riley always has brought around. I'll tell you what. I don't think I don't. He must be really good at brown nosing because the or he just must he must have like uh, like. Unclass like classified documents that could like threaten Lincoln Riley's career because Lincoln Riley has just brought him around everywhere, and he just continues like Lincoln Riley's just like oh the defense is getting better the defense is getting better, and the the defense did finally get better if the defense is not good this year for USC Lincoln Riley I'm sorry you got to fire your boy uh I will get his name while Zuch yeah, brings I- up his top storyline for the uh, for week zero. So my top one. Along with what I was saying about USC, when they're good, it makes college football better. It's Notre Dame. They have a lot of hype with Marcus Freeman. They brought in uh, Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, which he's been really good. He was just stuck at Wake Forest, which is a hard place to win at. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see. I feels like one of those games that you're going to kind of know a lot about Notre Dame pretty quickly. Like if that's Navy's. Navy used to be really good. Like even on, they might not always go eleven and one, but Navy used to be a tough out. Navy's been bad for the last three or so years. So if Notre Dame comes out and struggles in that, I think their expectations are going to get tempered a little bit, especially since they play Clemson, Ohio State, USC. They have a pretty brutal schedule. But if Notre Dame comes out and wins forty nine to seven, then they're going to be as hype as any other team coming into the season. I think an underrated part of this storyline is that Notre Dame's playing in Ireland. How many drunk Irish people who you think don't give two butts about college football are just going to be partying around that stage? I mean, if that is going to be one of the top – for forget week zero. I think that's, that's going to be a top environment week one or zero just to watch a game. Notre Dame in Ireland, that, are you kidding me? That that is gonna be that that sounds like a blast to me. That and I was a couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month or so ago, I was looking at tickets for that game. Not that I was gonna go, but I was like, I wonder how much tickets are to like these games in Ireland. The cheapest one I could find was like seven hundred dollars. So it sounds like it's gonna be pretty packed out. And it's not only Notre Dame, but you have Navy. So I'm sure you're gonna get a lot of guys who were in the Navy or even some guys who went to the Naval Academy that are like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we'll go out to Ireland for a week and go to the game, see them play. Because that's a little bit – South Bend's cool, but I'd much rather, if I was a fan of Navy, go to Dublin, Ireland to watch them play. Because if you lose, you're like, all right, well, we're going to go out to all the bars and sightsee and have a good time. Yeah, Notre Dame. And plus they got – the absolute show that we got in Ireland last year that they have to follow up. So, I mean, I don't think any, they, I mean, that's like the guy who's got to replace Babe Ruth is what Notre Dame Navy has to be (laughs) in this game in Ireland. And for folks who didn't watch that game last year versus Northwestern in Nebraska, um, good for you because I mean, good for you in the sense that you probably still have a couple brain cells Bad for you when I tell you it was the worst, best game I've ever seen. Um, and if I can just get a fraction of that stupidness, um, I think I'll be satisfied in this game. Oh, I, I hope there's another 
for some reason up 17 or whatever they were onside kick like yeah. Nebraska yeah. tried to pull. Oh and the funny part about that is I guarantee Scott Scott Frost was like, this is an ingenious idea I have right here. We're going <laughs> to onside kick it and recover and just take all the momentum. And he, that basically got him fired. Like that just yeah. wrecked their whole season. Pat Fitzgerald never just... won a game again. And now, yeah, dude, dude, both of those both those teams just ended up being epic losers from that game. I mean, you got Pat Fitzgerald, yeah. Shrek boy, who who likes to who just who. I mean, if, if you're listening to this podcast, probably follow sports enough to know the whole Northwestern hazing scandal and how Pat Fitzgerald's gone, and now how um, Scott Frost is gone. I mean, it's just it was brutal. I think the ghost of Tom Osborne was just in Scott Frost's ear going, do the onside kick, Frost. Do it. And then he's like, I got you, Tom Osborne. And then just messed up his whole game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was – It was. I don't even remember any other games that were on week zero last year except for that one. Like, it was like the first day, first game of the day and everything. And it was just – it's even more funny now to look back on. And, like, you knew – and it was, like, weird with Nebraska because they had this hype again. It was like, all right, they have to win now. Like, Scott Frost, that was, like, his sixth season, and he hadn't even been to a bowl game. Have to win now. <laughs> they brought in the – Casey Thompson. Nebraska. Yeah. Or Casey it, Thompson. Or he wasn't Texas. from Nebraska. He was from Texas, yeah. Had all this hype behind him, and then to lose <laughs> that way, it was just – you knew he was going to get fired after that. Like, I honestly think if they had won that game, their season might have played out differently, but 100%, you go in, 100%. you go in and lose to Northwestern. That's just not. That is not a team that Nebraska can lose to. It's Northwestern. <laughs> They're like a, or used to be a perennial power and like one of the a program that dominated for a couple decades, and then they're losing to Nebraska in Dublin, Ireland. So things change quickly. Northwestern. Yeah, well, at least Darren Ravel was happy. Um, any um, uh, any other small week zero stories you want to get into? Uh, I mean, I, I know we're going to touch on a couple, but I guess SDSU Ohio, that should be a decent game. Yeah, I think that. I yeah, know. that one will be interesting just based on. I guess seeing how like I don't know a ton about Ohio, but SDSU they could their defense is always really really good if they could ever just figure out their offense, which that. The quarterback they have this year is supposed to be pretty good. So if they could figure out their offense, I honestly think they could contend for a New Year's Six Bowl. But until they can score more than 14 points a game, that's just not going to happen for them because they've had some great defenses. I mean, yeah, like they – for years, they've like we both went to Boise State, and for years they've given us – fits even when we had really good offenses it was like going into that game like oh I hope if we can get to like 20 points or something like that then like my freshman year yeah we played them and if we won that game we were going to go to the orange bowl and they won like 20 to 19 or something like that and they won off of uh like kickoff return touchdown and a punt t- return touchdown yeah. and a one offensive touchdown but they just Ooh. and our defense was great that year too but yeah, they made- it was just couldn't score against them. I remember my freshman year, they also – they made Brett Rippon look like he couldn't play in college. Even though he was an NFL prospect, he's doing a great job backed up in the NFL. They made him look like he had never thrown a football before. Um, yeah, so STSU, always dangerous. And Ohio's no slouch either. I don't know a lot about them, but I know they were bowl eligible last year. They were playing in the Barstool Bowl last year. So that's that'll be a solid matchup, I think, between two pretty even teams – uh, looking to kind of like jumpstart themselves in their conference play. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, getting into week zero, we're going to bring you a segment. It's going to be a weekly segment. It's going to be called Meme Matchup of the Week. Me and Zooch are both going to choose one meme matchup, whether it be a team, whether it be a player, whether it be a personal matchup that one of us has. Um, it's the Meme Matchup of the Week. And uh, I know we already kind of touched on the uh, Zooch is being somewhat tied to USC. So, Zooch, what is your meme matchup of the week? Mine is the Pac-12 and all other conferences, Power 5 <laughs> conferences, I guess I should say, in college football. So, as we mentioned earlier, USC is going to be a top-five team. 
returning a Heisman Trophy winner, and they are playing on the Pac-12 network, while New Mexico State and UMass, keep in mind UMass has not won over two games in like five years, are the primetime slot on ESPN. And this, I would understand almost if it was Pac-12 network and you had, you know, Miami and Florida State was in that spot that uh, New Mexico State and UMass are on. But no, no one else is playing at that time except those two teams. I just don't – I don't love the realignment stuff, but if I'm looking at it from, like, USC's perspective, I'm like, if we go join the Big Ten, there's no – like, that Northwestern uh, Nebraska game was on Fox last year. Yeah, it, it, it's just so, so ridiculous. It's just like you can't – yeah, it's... you cannot – USC is a huge brand. They should, I don't think USC is a team that should ever be on the Pac-12 network regardless you find a way to get them national exp- – I don't even – the Pac-12 network, I don't think I've ever had the Pac-12 network in my life. I don't know if – I'm sure it's, it's a little bit different West on the Coast. West Coast. It's So but like, it comes, but it's, it is way – it's like, Brad, where the HBO channels are. And, I mean, even if it's not USC, let's say it's – let's say if it was even a smaller brand starting. Let's, let's say Oregon State was starting the year versus San Jose State. You have the Heisman Trophy winner on your team. And you can't right. get them on national television. I mean, this is why teams in the Pac-12 hate Larry Scott's guts. I mean, this is this is why the conference take no further look of why this conference is dead than the Heisman-winning quarterback in your premier brand on what's supposed to be your best team in the opening week, where there's not another ranked team playing at that time slot, and you're playing on the Pac-12 network. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm sad about the Pac-12 too, but are you kidding? Like, you have to get that game on a, a bigger network. It it just it seems so simple to me, but it's a Pac-12's incompetence and probably like their last little bit of greediness going, oh, we're going to milk this cow for everything we got. It's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, just you can't. And maybe part of it's what you said. They're just trying to, I don't know if they got offers to put it on different networks or whatever, but. I just don't imagine Notre Dame, Texas, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio, any of those teams ever being in a playing at six o'clock and being put on the Big Ten network, the SEC network. I know a couple times Notre Dame has had games on Peacock, but even Peacock, everybody has. Like there's USC is such a big school that I don't know that. I'm sure they have a ton of alumni who don't live on the West Coast. It's a good school. They probably go. You probably have a ton that live in the East Coast on in New York and Massachusetts and probably some in Atlanta and the Carolinas, wherever. And I don't even know how – I'm sure you can, like, download the app, but it's, it's just bad. It's a bad look, and I think that's why they left. I don't even think it's – they wanted more competition in the Big Ten or they – are worried about it going to two super conferences. You just, with how college football is changing and how much money is in it now, you cannot be USC and be on the Pac-12 network and getting more people are going to watch the New Mexico uh, State Massachusetts game, which is literally two of the worst programs in Division One football. I know New Mexico State made a bowl game last year, but I don't even know if either one of those programs have a guy or have had a guy in the NFL. And USC it's, has like, the most Heisman Trophy winners ever. So it's it is it is ridiculous. And ridiculous is a word that I would describe my meme matchup of the week. Because my meme matchup of the week is Hank Bachmeyer's stat line versus Boise State Twitter. Because oh boy, when that Louisiana Tech versus FIU game is going, I know there's a lot of people, as we mentioned before, we both went to Boise State, both well-versed in the Twitter world of Boise Athletics. People are going to be live-tweeting every single snap of that game. And if you're Hank Bachmeyer, you have to be the guy that was the four-star recruit coming out. I mean, you anything less than a good performance. I mean, I don't even think he has to win the game to shut up haters. I think he needs a good performance you know, throwing the ball well, making good decisions, because if he doesn't, the Shank Suckmeyer tweets are going to start flying again, and he's not going to be able to do anything about it. I mean, 
this Hank, he's just such an interesting quarterback, and he really does have all the talent in the world. And it's just like, if there's two words to describe Hank, it's missing link. It's like he's missing like that one thing. And I mean, the one thing that he's missing is mental aptitude, at least at Boise State. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping, and I'm sure he's hoping that the change of scenery kind of gets him straight. Um, but no, Hank Bachmeyer versus Boise State Twitter users is my meme matchup because it's going to be hilarious. Because imagine if he gets out there first drive, throws a couple good passes, and then like fumbles the ball. Oh my God. Boise Twitter. We're going to lose their mind. And well, you have the opposite side of that too, which I've thought about this a little bit recently. If he comes out and because I will give them him the benefit of the doubt here. I think he had four offensive coordinators. It was mm-hmm. yeah, no, it was just he. He had the COVID year job. that was he was, but eventually, you know, if you're the guy, you make do with what you have, and that was he looked great in that first game he played against FSU. It was taking huge hits, threw for like like 400 yards, I think, and it's just like from there, it was just like this process of going down. But if he goes out there and does really, really well and Boise State comes out next weekend and the offense looks bad, there's going to be a lot of people, I think, questioning whether it was Hank or whether it was our program right now, which I think, yeah, which I think is a fair, like, make no mistake, I think they had, which they weren't even going to make a change at quarterback here at Boise State last year. He left the team, but – from what they said, he was going to be the starter going into San Diego State. And that's another thing is you have – quarterbacks improving doesn't always happen. Like there are some guys yeah. who – JT Daniels looked really good as freshman. They're – more often than not, I feel like – Hey, watch out for Rice this year. Of, hey, hey, whoa, the Rice okay. Owls, watch out. Which, yeah, that's his what – is that his fourth team now? Yeah, you know, Third or I, I think he still has like two or three eligible years too, I think. <laughs> But, yeah, it's one of those quarterbacks don't always pan out, and they might start off, oh, that's, this guy's really good. He looks good. And it's never improved past that point. So I'm, I I do hope for Hank Bachmeyer that he comes out and plays really, really well, and he has a good year. But if he – and I think he's wearing number 20, so he cannot be playing bad wearing the number 20. You, that makes you a meme if you go out there yeah. wearing number 20 and throw, like, no, I'm... three interceptions. Yeah, I I hope for the best for Hank. Like I honestly do. Like I I do laugh at a lot of his failures, but because it is funny. But you when when you see someone who has played that well as a freshman kind of decline, you kind of wonder like something else is going on. So I think a fresh restart for him uh, is needed. Yeah, he definitely um, needed that. It was not, and it was so. It had turned so sour here that. Unless he played per- like perfectly throughout the rest of his career, nothing was going to change about change how people felt about him, and that just all concluded with that UTEP game because mm-hmm. I don't even think he had a hundred yards passing, and you just by your junior season or I guess it would have yeah his junior season you cannot no matter who's the offensive coordinator what's going on on the offense play that bad as a Boise State quarterback, which is like mm-hmm. a premier group of five program like realistically still a t- borderline top 25 program against utep who is a bottom 10 yeah. program in college football so that one will i'm going to be watching that game for like you said i want to see who i'm interested to see how he does because he comes out and throws for like 400 and something yards i'm going to be like well i hope that it was just a change of scenery is all he needed and it wasn't stuff going like uh the game plan and stuff here at our school, like, messing no, him up. I but. hope so, too. I hope so, too. Yeah. No, yeah. Hank Bachmeyer. We will see. Um, yeah, we are going to end the show um, by doing another weekly segment that we're hoping to do weekly, if it goes well. Who knows, Zach? Who knows? It's called High Low Buffalo. And it is uh, – so the High Low Buffalo, it's something that's good, obviously the high. Something that's low is the low. And the Buffalo just means it's interesting. It could be anything. 
Um, so obviously, since this is our first episode beginning of the season, we're doing high low Buffalo teams going into this season. Um, and I'm going to run through mine real quick, Zooch first. So my high team for the year, I think, is a team that's getting overlooked by a lot of people, and that's Mississippi State. This is a team that returns their starting quarterback who played very, very well last year. They also return a ton on defense and a ton on offense. But that's not only the reason why I have them as my high team. I'm, I'm going to pull up Mississippi State's schedule real quick. So their first game is at Southeast Louisiana, then Arizona. I think those are first two wins. Then you have LSU, Mississippi State, Alabama. Those are your two losses. After LSU and Alabama, there's no one on their schedule that I think is a complete wash. I mean, you have Mississippi, Southern Miss, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas. Those are all winnable games. Those aren't, I mean, they're good teams, but they're not juggernauts by any means necessary. Like, so Mississippi State is my team, I think is going to outperform a lot of expectations. And especially because they're, they're not even in the preseason AP poll. So I think that was a little bit disrespectful. I know the record last year. For and they won, what, nine games. games last year? I mean, yeah. It's, won... it's like, yeah, it's not a double-digit win team. I think that's what throws the voters off a lot of the time. But, yeah, it's I don't, I, I don't know why they weren't in the top 25, but I'm not an AP voter. Um, my low team, and I'm going to fully preference my low team, this is a lot about gut right here. It's a lot about gut, and it's a lot about schedule, and that's the Utah Utes. I maybe it's just me getting a little bit of cam rising in his stupid helmet that looks like a bubble on his head. <laughs> um, it, it, look, it looks like a space. He, he looks like Neil Armstrong in that helmet. But I'm going to pull up Utah. I mean, their, their schedule, they play all the Pac-12 hitters this year. They play Oregon State, USC, Washington, and Oregon. Those are just ranked teams because they have to play UCLA as well. I, I just don't see – I don't think they're going to do bad per se. I just don't see a way for them winning the Pac-12 or even making the Pac-12 championship. I mean, I don't know if you want to touch on that. but Yeah, I, they do I, have I, a, I don't, a really – the Pac-12 is going to be tough. Regard, and that's what makes a, them disbanding sad is it's like top to – like maybe not top to bottom, but that the top half of that conference is really, really good on paper at least, like USC, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah. Um, I think I'm forgetting somebody in there, but UCLA should be pretty decent. So, but yeah, yeah Utah's got a – Yeah, they it's... have a tough schedule. So, I'll, Kyle Whittingham normally seems to get the most out of them, but it him getting the most out of them is them – losing like three or four games and kind of sneaking into the Pac-12 title game. I know they've made the Rose Bowl twice in a year, but I think they've had like three or four losses both the past two years too. So it's not like they're 13 I think that's part of my like reason. It's just I don't, I don't think a three-loss team could win the Pac-12 with the talent this year. And my Buffalo team right. for this upcoming season is the UCF Knights. You look at this preseason schedule, and besides Boise State – they're playing Villanova and Kent State. And then their fourth game is at Kansas State, all right? If they beat Kansas State, the rest of their Big 12 games, oh, my goodness, they don't have to play, in my opinion, they don't have to play any of the big boys. They don't got to play TCU. They don't got to play Texas. Um, I mean, they're – I'm just, I'm just look, looking at the schedule – they got Oklahoma State at home. They it's just they have Baylor at home. Oklahoma's gonna be tough. Texas Tech's gonna be tough, but you don't gotta play TCU or Texas. And if the hardest team on your schedule, I love Boise State, but the hardest team in your preseason schedule is Boise State, UCF is prime to make a run. And I think in a Big Twelve where everyone's oh, yeah. good and not great, I, I think a team like that can really, really make an impact. And they have, you know, they're a pretty good program. They were a little bit down last year, but like it, that's the thing. It's a down year for them with still making the American Athletic Championship game. So it's not mm -hmm. like they were four and eight last year. They won nine or ten games. So and they're returning uh, John Reese Plumley, right? 
Yes, is yes, because they started, have, I think yes. that's yes. him. Yes, yes, because he, he's the baseball player too. Yeah, and he's dual threat, which I we always know at the Big Twelve, like they struggle on defense. So I that UCF game worries me too as a Boise State fan because I think they'll they're going to be pretty good. I'm, I don't know that they'll go, you know, unbeaten or anything like that, but I think they are a little bit better than people are giving them credit for, like you said. I have my three teams for high-low Buffalo, starting with high. I have Miami. I don't know – I'm not saying that Miami's going to be early 2000s Miami, but I'm just going to read you off their schedule. So Miami of Ohio to start out, then they play at A&M, and then before Clemson, before they play Clemson, they play Bethune-Cookman, Temple, Georgia Tech, North Carolina. So I think there's a huge chance that they're undefeated going into that Clemson game. We don't know how Clemson's going to be. They have it. That's another team that's like down. So that means they're going ten and two. But and this was almost my high team, but they have a little bit more hype than Miami. Then they play Virginia. North Carolina State, and then FSU. I think that Miami-FSU game could realistically be like a playoff eliminator for one of those teams. Because after that, they play Louisville and Boston College. I don't – they could, I mean, if they're bad, obviously, they could lose any of those games. But it's not a tough schedule. Like, if they can – even if they can win one of those FSU or Clemson games, I think they have a good shot of winning the ACC and being close to the playoff. Like – who knows how the playoff will shake out. There's normally not everyone's undefeated. I guess if everyone is undefeated, they wouldn't get in. But I really think they could be a top 10 team if, you know, Tyler Van Dyke improves, if Mario Cristobal, which he seems like he's a pretty good coach, can get his commits in there. I think they have like the seventh rated recruiting class. So pretty high yeah, up there. And I think if you're Miami, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think if you're Miami, you don't like a uh, college football playoff, you don't need to beat that. I think just a New Year's Six berth counts as an A-plus win for this season. Right. They just need to start improving because they were – like they're another program that when they're good, I think it makes football better personally. For my low, and it's not that I think this team is going to be bad, but Tennessee won 11 games last year. Oh, One no. Full was don't don't tell probably, Big Ball Daddy. Don't tell Big Vol Daddy. And break his heart. I think if they – they were, like, break his threatening, leg. like, getting into the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. if Because USC ended up losing to Utah. They probably would have gotten in over TCU if they had finished – if they hadn't lost that game to South Carolina. So they were, like, bordering making the playoffs. But they have a new quarterback. We'll see if their, de- their defense kind of got shredded in the secondary times last year, like, Georgia beat them up pretty bad. Alabama, they had to win that game 52-49. to 49. Spencer Rattler put up 63 points on them. So that's definitely an issue they I, needed to address. I, I had the biggest smile on my face because I was just waiting for that South Carolina game mentioned last year because it was just – it yeah, was th- almost like a – I was in shock. I, I, I was shocked watching that game because it was kind of like one of those out of nowhere, like isn't this supposed to be like the second-best team in the SEC behind Georgia? And you got Spencer Rattler, who's kind of been high and low all year. And it was almost Spencer Rattler's coming out party last year. So I'll let you. I mean, yeah, and I'm, South Carolina was coming off of a South Carolina was coming off of a loss to Florida, where they scored like seven points or something like that. And Florida didn't make a bowl game last year, so it was extremely weird that they put up sixty three on Tennessee. And I know him and. Hooker got hurt the next game, I think. Maybe he did play that game. I don't remember exactly. But regardless, if they won that game, they are probably going to make the college football playoff. Orangeville is still pretty good for a program who had been very bad since, like, 2003. I think they had one or two good seasons in between there, but not what their fans expect. For my Buffalo, there is not a more interesting team coming into this year than. The Colorado Buffaloes with Deion Sanders. The literal Buffalo. You took the literal Buffalo pick. I took took the literal Buffalo. He – I don't even remember the last time I thought about Colorado. And, like, I would see him and be like, geez, I can't believe they're so bad. Like, big university, nice facilities. I know it's cold there, but great school. Like, 
you would think they would be better than one in 11, like every year. That being said, him coming there and all the chaos he's created, whether people agree with it or not, have made them very interesting. Because if he comes in this year, like what happens if he comes in and wins nine games? Like I mean, I, if, if I was a recruit, if he comes would, in and wins nine games, I'll buy a Colorado t-shirt. Cause I, I think a win for Colorado this year is getting bowl eligible. See, and that's fair. Like I get the, they, he replaced a lot of people, but I think it's going to be interesting. Like if he wins that TCU game, do you think they're in the top 25? Do you think, People put them in the top 25. 100%. 100%. And the hype train is going to be off the chain. Because you know, like, yeah, if if he beats TCU, what's their second game on their schedule? Do you have their schedule pulled up? I'll pull it up real quick. Oh, yeah. Their second game. Also, for the people watching, I finally found the um, uh, USC decoy here. Alex Grinch. So if you were sweating on that, yeah, that's one, his Alex name. <laughs> and he's supposed to be good every year and just never, <laughs> ever improves. So they're get, I think they might play Colorado State after that. That's what, that's what I was thinking. So you know that they're going to win. Oh, I, no, it's Nebraska. Okay, so they play. If they, so yeah, they so have you know the, TCU, Nebraska, Nebraska, Colorado State. Colorado State. So if they win, if they won those three games, right? If they beat TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State, their next game is against Oregon. I and that's that is going to be hype. a hugely hyped game. Yeah, and no, it's that's... like if I, then if for some reason, like, and I don't know that they'll win all those. Like, like I said, he brought in a lot of new people. I think Shadur Sanders is good, but he was playing at the FCS level last year, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. But if he's like. Is good there with his credentials, like played in the NFL, played pro baseball, huge name. He's going to start really getting some even bigger recruits. Like he had a great transfer class because it was a little bit late in the get some, regular season. I think he can get some heads too because they're in the Big 12 now. So, like the Southwest reach of Texas is bigger. I mean, he can do some serious damage if he can muster some hype this year. I mean, this is... Right, and he's... Colorado, people forget across the country how much money is at that school already when their athletic programs are terrible. If that football program is even a fraction of what it was in the 90s, or even if it's like what it was... Remember that one random year in the Pac-12 where they made the championship game? If it's even like that, (laughs) it's... um, uh, Like, this is... Like, people talk about sleeping giants in college football. I think, I mean, I'm biased. I've been a West Coast college football guy my whole life. But Colorado is a sleeping giant. It has got so much money. They've got a huge alumni base. they got all the facilities. Now they got their coach. It's just time for them to put it together. Yeah, and if they do, it's going to be – and he's a master. Like, I don't know how much day-to-day. Like, I don't know if he's – and I would see I've worked with head coaches that have – gone around each individual group and teach something and others that are like a CEO. He's a master salesperson. Like everything he does is to like build his brand. Like he lets the players wear their hat, like their Twitter names or Instagram yeah. names on their jerseys. But that to me, and I know some people look at that and are like, oh my God, like why do they, why do they need to let these kids do that? That's a smart recruiting ploy. He's like saying, you know, mm-hmm. come here. You're only going to start if you're good, which is basically what he told all those guys in that video that we were laughing at however many months ago where everyone in that room, their face looked yeah. like they just been told yeah. their mom died. The kid in the scooter boots. <laughs> and he said, you know, you, some of you just need to leave now because you're not going to play and we're going to make you try and quit. A lot of people took offense at that, but they won one game. And like that to me, with what you said, Huge alumni base, nice facilities, nice place to live, good school, nice field. There's no reason for them to ever be one in eleven. Like if I would get if it, I get UMass going one in eleven. But Colorado has every like being Boise State fans, we would kill to have that money pouring into our program. Like mm-hmm. I would do almost anything to get even a fraction of that money. So I think they are 
that's one of the games I'm really look- I'm going to the Boise State Washington game, but week one I'm really looking forward to that TCU game. If anything else, just to see him on the sideline with the cowboy hat and yeah. like all of his antics, it make to me it makes mm-hmm. the sport better. So it does, it does, and yeah, we will see. Um, yeah, that's it for us. Zooch, any final words of encouragement before next week's show? Just. Get ready for that FIU Louisiana Tech. Like that's what we have to look forward to. But we both know we're going to be watching that game. I've been counting down the days, and I cannot <laughs> wait for Notre Dame Navy. It starts at like eleven thirty, I think, and after that, there's just like little itty bitty games in between. I'll have to look on the Game Center app, or whatever it's called, on ESPN to keep up with USC. But I will watch that UMass New Mexico State game just to see. What's going on? Just to see if there's over 200 yards of offense in the whole game. <laughs> oh, man, that is that is funny. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening who has listened. Um, next week, hopefully we'll get a little Zuch's pre-thoughts before he goes to the Washington game. Cause he, if I caught that, you're, you're going to the Washington game in Seattle? Yeah, we're, we're going to leave. I took work off work next Friday. We're going to leave bright and early. Me. My girlfriend and a couple other friends are going to go get down there. And I just want to be – I want to see the greatest setting in college football be filled with tears of obnoxious wannabe USC Washington <laughs> Husky fans. Awesome. Well, That is one oh, team yeah. that I do since I've moved oh, out. I, I, I don't like you, Washington. You don't like the – you don't like the sail gating? I don't like to say just they seem pompous to me for a team who hasn't done anything in <laughs> 900 years. So oh I would like God. to beat them, but we'll talk more about it next week. And I'll yeah. say if I think we're going to beat them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you everyone listening next week. We'll get into what a lot of you would call the real games and we'll get into Zuch's opinions before he makes the caravan to Seattle. So uh, thank you all. and uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks everybody.